Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church Dadeville Pastors Chat. I'm your host, Forrest Jones, joined as always by... Zach Brown. I'm the youth pastor here at First Baptist Church of Dadeville. I'm Ben Hayes, the senior pastor at First Baptist Dadeville. Every week, we're going to get together and just have a conversation about um, the sermon topic for this Sunday and how we can better apply that in our lives uh, and then how we go about using that as a church. Forrest, is it true that most church members go home and at lunch discuss the sermons nonstop until they come back to church on Sunday nights? Of course they do. They they usually go home and create a 10-step process to apply it every aspect of their life, I'm sure. <laughs> this week, we had the privilege of Zach handling the sermon. So, Brother Zach, if you'll break down kind of what your sermon was about, uh, hit the high points so that we can uh, talk a little more about that in case somebody missed it this Sunday. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, continuing with the theme that we've been going through as a church, answering uh, some hard questions, I decided to talk about the question of why young people so often leave the church um, and things that the church can be doing to assist with that problem. Um, so a lot of us are probably familiar with some scary statistics of how often students end up leaving the church after uh, after after high school. And so wanted to kind of talk about that um, and, and give the church some, some things that they can be doing, uh, some families, things that they can be doing, as well as some, some individual guidance to our students. And so uh, my first point was uh, young people need the older people of the church to set the precedence for a Christian life. Um, talked a little bit about the impact that church members have made in my life um, and the importance of you know, giving students somebody to look at that they can emulate, that that as they are seeing how they live and what they care about and what they're passionate about, that it helps them to know um, how to grow into their Christian life as well um, and how to root it in something uh, you know, tangible that they can see. Uh, then we went to talking about um, the second point, that young people need their families to set the example for Christian living. And while this in no way means that you know a, a young person can't be a Christian if their parents aren't, it, it does go to highlight the need um, of a, a good family system, and this is you know parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, anybody who has that that familial um, relationship and that influence, and um, the the precedent that they set um, as a as a, as a family member on their on their students, and so the importance of you know setting the setting the norms and raising up and and things like that. But but ultimately, what I what I did with with my third point. I, I didn't want this to come across as like the church isn't doing enough, families aren't doing enough. This was really just some advice because ultimately at the end of it, young people have to take responsibility for their own choice. Um, we can have an amazing church. We can have a terrible church. You can have a great family. You can have, you know, a, a lesser family. You can have a super spiritual family or a family that's not Christians. And at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that each of us is individually responsible for the choice that we do or do not make. Um, and so then we ended with four challenges. The first challenge was to our church. Um, church, set an example for our students. Teach them to love God, uh, to be passionate about Him as they are. To our families, we challenged them to remember that they have a special bond shared 
by no other person outside of their family and to use that to raise each other up and to build up each other, especially in the quarantine right now. And to our students, we challenge them that, that no matter what is going on in their life, you know, highs, lows, seasons, whatever, to make sure that, um, that as they are looking at their priorities, that Christ does not come off of that list. And as always, we gave a challenge to anybody who is tuning in who is not a Christian um, as well, that, that this, while it may be geared towards young people and, and youth and college and career age, that these lessons are something that can be applied to, to anybody. So um, just encouraging everybody to, to look at this um, as, a, as a believer, as a non-believer, as somebody with any kind of sphere of influence. So. And I think you did a great job of kind of hitting on the fact that this is not a one-dimensional one problem. That right. while it can be easy to look at it and say, oh, yeah, well, if we just did this, then everything's going to be fixed. And so I, I love the fact that you kind of each point broke down a different way that we need to look at this problem and, and how we could address it. Um, so jumping back to your first point, young people need the older people of the church to set the precedent of a Christian life. Um, Brother Ben, as, as the spiritual head of this gigantic church family, how do you see that kind of playing out in our church or maybe even in your, your own life? That really is a good question, and I think, Zach, that you made some uh, four very good points in, in this message as you presented it. And this first one is is very important to me because I've always tried to preach and, and to teach that that uh, while we are individuals and, and we have family responsibilities, as the body of Christ, we're commanded to take care of each other. We are responsible for each other. We are our brother's keepers, so to speak. And, and especially when it comes to training up our children and our youth, uh, we have that uh, kind of responsibility. Now, what I'd like to do is just ask both of you as our children's minister and as our youth minister here at First Baptist Dadeville, how do you see that playing out in the family today, the church being uh, part of the village that raises up these children? Where does the ultimate authority and responsibility lie and how does the church fit into that? Well, I think when you start looking at this issue, um, the ultimate responsibility, I think is going to fall to our families and the fact that, uh, you know, as we've, we've talked about in the past, uh, in Deuteronomy, you see these commandments to teach your children. Um, you know, I know that in the sermon Sunday, he mentioned the idea of the, train up the child in the way they should go. Um, in Proverbs, we see that. I think no matter what, it is going to be ultimately the parent's responsibility. And the main reason is because we've tried a few generations now of the other direction, which is the drive-through method of drop your kids off and we'll pick them up and hopefully everything's going to work out the best. Um, I know Zach had mentioned the statistics that kind of led us to this discussion. Um, I had seen a an article by Dr. Richard Ross, who is, he's, he's been doing youth ministry and teaching youth ministry for a gajillion years. Uh, and I'd looked up his article and he said, he started looking into the same research and said, what are the kids that don't leave? You know, we, we focus on what the kids that do leave, like who are the kids that don't? And he came up with some very, um, I think telling kind of points that, that he drew out of that research. And he said that the kids that don't leave, um, number one, they have mom and dads that are in love with Jesus, not just religious, 
but they're like on fire for God. Um, and he said, that's the biggest determiner right there. And then secondly, like we've been mentioning, lives that are intertwined with people of the church. They're in relationships with, with the large group congregation, um, and then they're involved in inter- intergenerational ministry. Um, and then they're involved in a ministry that is geared around discipleship. Um, those were the kind of the three points he, he brought out. And I thought, you know, what, what stands out is that idea of parents that don't just attend church, but this is a faith that they live out all the time. Um, and just how radical that is to the, to the life of a child, you know, that, that they're seeing that um, day in and day out. Um, and the fact that if kids just come to church and we have really great programs, and I think we do have some really great programs here. I think um, in the children's ministry, um, we do some, what I think are some great things. We have great volunteers that are, are just excellent to work with our kids. In the youth ministry, they're doing a lot of great stuff. Um, things that I remember doing, you know, cool stuff like D-Now and everything that they've done are great programs. Um, but a program is not going to be as effective as parents who are living this out day after day. Um, and so what I think, and Zach's, he can talk more about this, but the idea that it's got to be that two-prong approach. If we have all of one and not the other, um, it's going to, we're, we're weakening our, our battle plan, I guess, would be a way to say it. Yeah, um, and so that's why when we, we looked at uh, the second point, I gave a quote out of um, the, the Lifeway uh, research study that uh, was put out on August 7th, 2007, that kind of brings out some of these stats, and that's one of the things that it, it mentioned. It said, uh, quote, uh, teens who at age 17 have parents who are authentic examples of Christian faith, proactive and consistent in living out their faith, are more likely to keep attending as young adults. And so to to highlight, you know, what Forrest was talking about, it is so important to to set that precedence every day. Um, that's one of the things that, that we try to, to, to push forward to our students is um, kind of the idea of tying in what we talk about, what we believe into every single aspect of our life. You know, why are we making the decisions we're making? How often do we, do we critically think about the decisions that we're making in a Christian point of view, you know? Um, and it's so important for families um, to, to be setting that example because um, you have a, a shirt that you wear a lot. It's got like a, a fraction on it. Yeah, so the, the, the shirt has one over 168. And so that is 168 is the number of hours that are in a week. And that one represents, on average, that's the amount of time that a young person is going to spend in front of some kind of Bible teaching, um, whether that be sermon or Bible studies. Um, on average, they're, they're going to spend about one hour a week um, if they're church attenders. And so you look at that and say, we have one hour and 168 is everything else. So um, you know, it, it just shows how much there's so much more outside of just what we can do here in the church. Um, and if all we do is focus on that one hour, then we're missing a lot of their life. Exactly. And so we, we try to set that precedence here as a church. I mean, we, we try to actively model that. We try to, uh, we try to do that. We try to, to live in a way that it shows our students, you know, this is okay, this isn't okay, this should matter, this shouldn't matter. Um, but ultimately, 
the family has so much more of an impact than the church does. Um, and so uh, really just, again, to, to drive home the importance of family, you know, relationships. And, and again, that doesn't just mean um, parents. That means grandparents and cousins and uh, even siblings. Um, I mean, you know, I have siblings and cousins who have poured into my life, who I've poured into their life. And uh, so it's not just a, a, you know, a parent-child dynamic, um, which is also something that we talked about um, a little bit in small groups that we'll get into probably a little bit later. But, um, you know, putting a big emphasis on families. And so really, even if you are somebody in the church who doesn't have young kids, um, you know, somebody who's also pouring into the parents of students um, because understanding that parents play such a big role even if you're not individually going to pour into a student if you're pouring into their families you're pouring into those students um, you are helping the, the parents be able to go through things that a lot of people in the church have gone through and to, to help them out as they they gear towards their kids so it's it's really a big I mean, domino effect in a sense well, in going back to the original question and, and bouncing off of what Forrest was saying about the number of hours in the week, on a good Sunday, if if someone comes to everything the church has to offer, they're going to get three, maybe four hours a week. Um, we know based on our statistics and, and the, the demographics that uh, we've been studying here at First Baptist that uh, that number is, is likely much lower than that, maybe on average one hour a week. Um, a lot of people are leaving church. A lot of people are attending sporadically. Uh, we, we are aware of that. And in the Bible, there are two main passages that I go back to time and time again as I talk with, with parents and, and how they raise their children. One is, of course, in Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about that we should teach our children every waking moment of the day as we're walking, as we're arising, as we're sitting and then the Proverbs passage, which says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And as, as we look at that, those two uh, Bible verses are focused on families. It's not the church. It's not the school. And it's certainly not the government's responsibility to do this. It is the mom and dad. It's the grandparents. It's the aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters that have that responsibility. So I really... Truly appreciated your emphasis on that, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. I think another real quick point on that before we move on. Sometimes when we talk about families, you, you mentioned a minute ago, just when they hear families or, or maybe if, if you're a single parent or something and you hear us talking right now um, and you just feel like, man, I'm just struggling to survive. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, what I would say is this, again, goes back to the idea of being authentic about your own faith and kind of living that out for your kids. And, and they don't have to be perfect. It doesn't, you know, if you beat yourself up because it's not that you mess up, tell your kids, hey, I messed up. I, you know, um, I lost my temper there. I shouldn't have done that. And, and keep going back to the idea of like, well, what does Christ say we should do? What, how should we live our lives? And use all those moments you're given. You know, not all of us have a family look exactly the same. Um, and the Bible never says that if, you know, you don't have two parents and 2.5 kids and a picket fence and a dog that you're beyond hope and that, um, that God doesn't love you or you can't do this. Um, 
you know, it's something we, we are very passionate about here is that we want to help you in every way possible. So uh, we want to come alongside you. Um, and, and like Zach said, if you're somebody in the church who's older, who's maybe gone through this season of life, you have so much valuable experience and knowledge to pass on to those young parents who maybe are just trying to figure it out. Um, and if you're a young parent, just know you're going to mess some stuff up and that's just life and we're all figuring it out on our own. And um, so that's kind of my encouragement would just be, if you hear the word family and you just freak out or you think, well, that's just really, um, that doesn't fit me. It, it does. You know, it's, it's a much more broad term than maybe what you have pictured in your mind. And we, we understand that not everybody's situation and context looks exactly the same. Um, but again, the Bible says that you should be coming alongside and teaching your kids and we want to help you in every way while you do that. Um, so again, there's just a little disclaimer on that one. Um, You know, Forrest, there's really a practical application in this or practical reason for us to, to do this with our children in, in scripture, the, the Bible promises God's blessings to a thousand generations to those who train up their children this way. But for those who ignore God and who turn their back on him, their sins will be visited to the third and fourth generation. So understand that we have a responsibility to our uh, descendants to show them the truth so that they will receive the blessings of God. But to highlight a little bit of, of what Boris was saying, of just kind of the, the encouragement there, um, I'm not a parent. I don't pretend to know what it's like to be a parent. I can, I have enough trouble trying to, to, to train a dog. Um, I, I, I don't know what I would do with a kid right now, but... Training um, a dog's easier. <laughs> yeah, and and I struggle enough with that. But um, but one thing that um, that I, I hear a lot when when talking with people and things like that is, you know, don't get too bogged down on thinking that in order to be um, somebody who is setting that precedence for your kids, that, that when we're talking about all this stuff, in no way does that mean that you have to be perfect. You have to know all of the answers. Sometimes some of the the, the best conversations and the, and the best tactics to, to use to guide your kids um, is to simply be like, hey, you know, that's a good question. I don't really know how to answer that. Let's figure it out together. Um, I am passionate about, like, researching. Like, I'm, a, I'm a, a huge nerd for, you know, I'll look up a topic and just do a bunch of research trying to figure it out. You know, I, I know how to do that. Um, but a good life skill to, to, to teach your kids is, you know, what happens when they come to something that they don't know? What happens when, when they come up on something that uh, that they don't know how to deal with? How are they going to find those answers? And so, um, just being honest and being like, "Hey, you know, let's find these answers together." Those are all things that are teaching those students, right? You know, when they get off to college and they don't have you to to ask, and they're sitting there wondering, like, "Hey, you know, I, I don't know how to handle this." They'll have those skills to go back to of like, well, you know, how did we used to figure this out? You know, teaching them to get into the word, to, you know, to, to do that research, to figure things out for themselves. And so, um, yeah, don't feel like you have to be perfect because honestly, again, some of the best skills you can teach them is how to admit that it's okay to not know the answers and how to find them. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we need to encourage our parents and families to, to understand is that we cannot allow search for perfection to become our enemy because so often we think that if we can't do it perfectly, we're just not going to do it at all. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's such a temptation to just feel like I can't do it as well as somebody else can, or, you know, that the, the sin of comparison that we're always like, Oh, they, I'm sure they do it better. I shouldn't bother. And I think that's the thing that if we want to 
emphasize the idea that sometimes people look at us and they're like, oh, those are, those are the professional pastors. Like they have the answers for my kids or whatever. And that um, my greatest hope is that when your child looks at their life, that they look at their parents as their greatest spiritual influence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that there were times in my life that I looked at my youth pastor or somebody else and said, if I had a question, I'd go to that person first. I would love for it to be that our kids go to their parents. And, and here's, you know, I'll go ahead and let you know, parents, if you want to cheat, you can just call us and we will help you find the answer if we, <laughs> if we can. And then you can be the one that goes back. So uh, again, you may be just one, one little step ahead. If you know that Bible passage is coming up and you struggle with it, figure it out ahead of time. And, you know, that might, that might be what you need. But um, again, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, let's look it up together or um, reaching out and phone a friend. Um, but again, we would love for the fact that your children view you as their first spiritual teacher, um, which I want to take a moment before we jump into the discussion questions. Each, each one of us, let's think of one person that if you're picking one person, you just wanted to give a little shout out right now for their, their spiritual influence on you. Um, I'll, I'll give you, a, since I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this question. I'll start out so that, um, I think about my grandfather and just, um, no, he was not somebody that sat me down and did a whole bunch of teaching me Bible stories or, or lessons like that, but just a man that lived out his faith authentically every day, had a servant heart. I remember riding the church van with him. I would go to visit him in his church, and we would wake up early and ride the van to go pick up all the little old ladies from the nursing homes or the assisted living and take them to church and thinking that was just the greatest thing. And he was just that way all the time, just servant. Um, and, and he gave a track to every person I think he ever met in his life. I mean, if you got a tip from him, it was going to be in a track. And he, like, you were the cashier at Walmart. He was giving you a track before he left. And that's just what he did. And uh, just, I mean, he just lived out his faith. Uh, if anybody met him, you just knew that he was a man of God. That, that was what he was. Um, and so that's who I, if I look at, like, the one person I think had the most influence on me, it would be Howard G. Flowers. Um, yeah, well, um, I'll seem real unoriginal. Um, I I mentioned Sunday that, uh, my grandfather's a pastor. Um, and I I would probably have to to say him, um, growing up, I was, you know, at their house about as much as I was mine. Um, and just seeing the way that, that he went about every day of life. Um, like I was, you know, I was homeschooled through elementary and middle school. And I remember whenever I'd be with him, like parents would be working, I'd stay with them for the week. And um, he and I would go and make hospital visits and we would, you know, do all of that. I I knew my way around, you know, the hospital, how to find the, the ICU and the ER and, and all of that stuff, surgery waiting and, and everything, you know, and um, just going there and doing that with him, um, setting, you know, setting that example for me that now as I'm going and doing in hospital visits, I'm like, Man, I, you know, kind of bringing back that, you know, going and doing that with my grandfather. Um, and even like in my, my office, I've got a bunch of books, like a bookshelf full of it. Cause you know, when I got into ministry, he made sure to, you know, here, take this, this, this has helped me in, in my ministry. This has helped me take this, read this, you know? Um, so I, I would definitely, um, say him, um, like I said, between, Throughout my whole life, he's either been a pastor or an associate pastor of the same church in Blue Mountain, Alabama. Um, you know, and so 
Um, I, I, I would say him. So my uh, Papa Earl, Earl Tucker. Now, now, Brother Ben, this might be harder for you. This is a lot longer ago. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say that since I'm so much older than you, there are so many more people that, that I could talk about. Um, but I was, as you guys were talking, I was sitting here trying to filter through. I've, I've got so many Sunday school teachers and discipleship training teachers and uh, RA leaders that meant the world to me. But I guess I have to come back to two men that um, that were there for me at a very uh, formative time in my life, and that was when I was saved and, and when I, I entered the ministry. And that was my pastor and my youth pastor, James Smith and Jim Haight. Um, two great men who, who loved me in spite of myself and who, who taught me a lot about what it means to have a pastor's heart. And that's, that's, that's a big thing for pastors. Um, you can have all of the, the head knowledge in the world. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards. But if you don't have a pastor's heart, you cannot be the kind of pastor that the church needs today. And those guys taught me that. All right, we're going to have to make it quick. Cause, um, all right, so we had some discussion questions Sunday um, that we used with our small groups, which if you aren't involved in one, we'd love to get you plugged in with one. Um, reach out to us, and we'll get you plugged in with a group. Um, but So every week they do some discussion questions, and we want to head on those real quick. Um, says, in what ways could you be investing in the youth of this church in a way that could help them to continue in their walk with Christ as they transition into an adult? Um, and I think here I'd especially highlight the idea of these aren't even our own children. Like, how are we investing in children that don't belong to our family? Um, and what maybe some ways that people could be doing this if they um, aren't already? Yeah. Um, so with, with asking this question, um, really kind of, wanted to to just get people thinking about you know ways that each individual person could be could be doing this and when we when we talk about you know helping with with kids and youth it can be kind of a, a daunting thing to, to think about you know I mean um, you know, helping out with with lock-ins and you know summer camp and, and all of this you know high energy you know high demand kind of things um, but when we when we look at like how you could be investing in the youth of this church, uh, going back to you know helping with families, you know like I like I talked about earlier, um, you know if you are pouring into the parents, you are pouring into the students. It is a, a trickle down of you know you are helping them understand what it means to be a Christian parent, and you are helping them to then you know be a Christian parent to their youth. Um, as well as just, um, again, living out for the youth what Christian life looks like, um, you know, in, inviting them to groups, having discussions with them um, during the summer, you know, hey, hey, you know, let's, let's go to lunch and talk and catch up and how are you doing, you know, just um, showing them the everyday life of being a Christian, not the, not the neat the, the pretty, the perfect that you that you are used to seeing on Sunday mornings, but but what does it look like to be a Christian on Monday and on Tuesday, you know, Thursday and Friday? What does that look like? Um, just demonstrating that to the students in, in just a, a personal way, because again, um, I, I remember when when this, this this whole thing really finally connected with me, and I really 
truly understood what life meant to be a Christian. Um, and I remember, you know, the conversations that we had, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, walking down an aisle. It wasn't, it wasn't praying a prayer after somebody. That that's not what did it for me. What did it for me was, you know, all of the years of seeing people actively living this out and demonstrating that, you know, what a Christian life looks like, you know, week to week and, and day to day and hour to hour, uh, and, and making it something that is real, making it something that, that's not just another thing. That you know, a book you pick up once a week and and, and dust off to to bring to church and, and look holy. But what does it mean to to allow you know Christ to to impact every decision you make during the day and, and to really to really do that? And so, um, investing in our youth and modeling that for them just on a day to day basis. And I think that kind of ties in with your fourth um, point in the discussion questions. Talked about the idea of you know, that personal responsibility and that at some point every youth is going to have to realize that every young person. Um, do y'all have moments that you remember kind of that moment where you were like, all right, this is, this isn't mom and dad's faith anymore. Like I'm going to have to take ownership of my own faith. Um, I know mine kind of hit in college. Um, I remember my youth pastor handing out books right before we graduated. It was like how to stay Christian in college. And, and to kind of give you the backstory, I had done two summers of summer missions through the North American Mission Board and gone to D.C. and um, all that stuff. I mean, I was the, the kid in the youth group. I was, oh, I'm doing the mission work. Oh, look at me. You know, and and um, I definitely had no pride involved, just in case you want. Um, so, you know, he gives me this book, and I remember looking at it and thinking, really? Like, I need that. Like, me and God were, like, tight. I'm just saying, you know. and Within the first six months of going to college, I was in a relationship with someone who wasn't a Christian. I had not been going to church. I, w- I mean, just everything about my life was not honoring to God at all. And having just a wake-up call moment of saying, how did I get here? Wh- what did I do? And uh, I had a pastor one time, his famous quote was, you know, sin will take you further than you ever thought you would go and lead you to places you never thought you'd be. And um, and that's kind of where I was at and just hit me. I was like, man, this is, this isn't what I want for my life. And this isn't my faith. And, um, you know, praise the Lord that he led me to repent and get back in his will. And, uh, but I just remember that just this real clear moment of this isn't autopilot anymore. Like you have to make the effort. You've got to do the work. You're not going to have the life you want if this is what you're doing with your life. And so, um, that just kind of struck home with me that sometimes we don't do a good enough job of warning people. There's going to be a moment that you're going to have to make the call. Like mom and daddy, you can have the world's greatest parents, but there's going to be a moment you're not living in their house. At least they're hoping that you're, you won't be living in their basement forever. And so at some point you're going to have to be the one that makes your own decisions and it's going to be your life. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you make a good point. Um, of course, you know, I, I will have to tell you that uh, I feel like I had always made that that commitment from the time that I was young that it was my faith and not my parents' faith. Uh, there was not one of those aha moments for me uh, when I got saved. Uh, it it cemented that for me, so that even uh, when I left for college, there was no question in my mind of what I was going to be doing. Uh, of course, when you surrender to preach at sixteen, you you pretty much know what you're going to be doing. <laughs> Um, 
But uh, I do think that there are times in all of our lives where we have to renew that commitment for whatever reason. Uh, we grow stale. We allow ourselves to get carried off by things that we shouldn't be doing or thinking, and and uh, we let our priorities shift. And so I think there are times when we have to come back to that point and say, um, I need to get back to where I, I know I'm supposed to be in my relationship with Christ. And I'm not even just talking about church attendance. I'm talking about your own private uh, devotional time, your prayer time, uh, that sort of thing, because it's so easy to allow the things that go on around us to take priority. And before you know it, we're not praying like we used to. We're not reading our Bible like we used to. And that is important for all of us at all ages. One of the things I did uh, before school started this past year was I took our uh, graduating seniors that uh, were headed off to college to lunch and sat down and talked with them and uh, just told them, hey, look, you know, we're praying for you. We love you. But when you get to college, you've got some decisions you're going to have to make, and they're going to be hard decisions. And you need to remember that uh, it's not your mom and daddy who are making these decisions for you. It's you, and you're the one who has to take responsibility for those. And I hope to continue that uh, <laughs> uh, this year, even though we um, kind of have a funky way of doing graduation and all of that this year. <laughs> Is that okay to say funky? I, th I think so. That okay. Sounds like a very good descriptor of this year so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it's like the meme I saw the other day says 2020 started out like a warm chocolate chip cookie, but after that first bite, it was oatmeal raisin. <laughs> and uh, so. Uh, a very good description of this year. Very. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I would, would agree, kind of echoing you know, what you said, Brother Ben. Um, there was... If if I had to to hammer down a specific time, um, I mean, I, I, it would be it would be hard. There have been seasons in my life where I've been more and less involved and things like that. But um, I remember like, specifically one instance um, when my some you know my parents they got they got divorced and then my mom remarried. She was the one I primarily lived with, primarily lived with, and so um, as most people do in a situation of you know, divorce and remarriage, they decided, you know, you have your church, I have my church, but let's look for a church together and decide, you know, where we're going to go. And, um, and so they ended up moving to a different church. Um, I was like 17 when they, when they moved to, to a different church and, um, you know, I was driving, I was, you know, involved, I, you know, played drums in the band and stuff like that. And so they gave me the option of, you know, do you want to look for a new place with us or, want to stay here and um being involved i made the decision to stay there um and and from that point it was you know it wasn't a matter of you know i went to church with my parents every day it was i woke up on sunday mornings and went to church you know um there was nobody pulling me there there was nobody dragging me there um it was just kind of that moment of you know stepping out and saying hey you know i go to church independently now um and so which did help when I, you know, when I got off to college and, um, you know, got involved in a college ministry and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, but I, I would say that was probably the time, um, the first time I was, you know, going to church away from my parents. Um, and it all fell to, to me, you know, I was no longer so-and-so Sunday school teacher's kid. I was just Zach, the youth 
who plays drums for the church a little bit too loud if if, if he likes the song too much. Um, and so that was, I would probably, if I had to hammer down one time where I really knew like this is this is my thing, I'm I'm responsible for this, I'm accountable for this. It was it would be be that time. And I want to touch on something you mentioned there real quick. We're going to wrap it up here in just a second, but um, you mentioned why it was that you stayed and you said that you were involved. And I think that's something that parents often don't think enough about. If, if all your child does is come sit in a room and listen to somebody else talk once every couple of weeks, um, how much are they really part of the church and this church family? Um, you know, we would love that they would feel like this is their second home, that this is their second family. Um, but a lot of times that takes being involved and that, and that a lot of times that is in service. I mean, I, I know for me growing up being in the youth group, you know, helping out with VBS and doing those kind of things. And just, um, if you're a parent listening, figure out ways for your kids to plug in. You know, we've, we have uh, kind of changed the way we've done things and Lord willing, we'll be back to, um, kind of our old program that we had running before, but, um, you know, we've got some mechanisms for the youth to help out with kids and um, some look at those kind of things. Uh, when we have these uh, days, the other day we were, you know, cleaning up yards and uh, hollow limbs and all that stuff. And what better way um, to let them get involved? Um, and that can kind of sometimes help people get to know one another. There's something to be said for men getting together and doing work together. Uh, I remember there was a group of men at my house one day and uh, they were helping us out. and they were just treating each other the way guys do that like each other. And, uh, you know, just the, are you not done with that yet? Come on. Can you not swing a hammer better than that? And just that typical good old natured encouragement. And they walked off and my son, Jonathan goes, daddy, do they not like each other? <laughs> and uh, so it was just a great example. Like I would have never thought to set my son down and be like, listen, if men like each other, they make fun of each other, you know, like, <laughs> but that was that he got to see the, what that relationship looks like and what, and it was just a little example of those are the kind of opportunities serving alongside one another. You get to know each other, you get to know each other's names. Um, look for those ways to serve, you know, get your kids plugged into some of those things. Um, you and them come along, let's do some stuff. I, I, um, I know the other day when we were out cleaning up at the farm, um, seeing the McKelvey boys out there working and just, um, hauling limbs with their dad and stuff. It, it, there's a lot of value in that and letting them stand shoulder to shoulder with the other people of the church um, and just get involved. It, it's, it really changes lives. Even though we don't always think about it, it, it is uh, really important. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, and there's so many ways to get involved. I mean, um, we have been talking on, on Sunday nights in our youth small group that um, that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who you are, how you were made, extrovert, introvert, you know, um, musically inclined, if you like video games, if you like sports, I mean, none of those things you know, discredit you from, from living out the gospel in your everyday life. And at the same time, none of those things discredit you from serving in the church. Um, you're somebody who is super outgoing and super extroverted. Join our greeting team. You know, if you're somebody who's shy, we've got a need for – people always in the in the sound booth helping you know learn how to run slides learn how to how to help with the sound run run the camera for us um there are so many things both you know in the spotlight behind the scenes you know any kind of 
uh, anything that you're passionate about, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can probably find something. You're artistic, you know, help help our uh, publicity committee, you know, design some some graphics to put on social media. You know, there are things that you can be doing. Um, you know, church ministry, serving in it doesn't look the same for everybody. And um, we would be happy to get you involved in whatever you're passionate about. There's there's something here for you. Absolutely. Let, let's let's wrap this up today, and I want to ask both of you a, a very pointed question. Um, and, and so as you think about our church, First Baptist Church, Dadeville, Alabama, if you were to grade our church on what we're talking about today, being the village that our children and young people need, what grade would you give our church? That's hard. That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, uh, especially after this week, I'd, I'd put it pretty high up there. Um, you know, the, the past week with the storms and everything, going out and seeing um, how how open our church is to to living out their their faith. You know, carrying limbs, making sandwiches for workers. You know, all of the things that, that we've been doing. Um, and helping out at the school with with the food program and things, I, w- I would put it pretty high up there. I, I look around and I see plenty of people in this church who I would be um, very happy um, if I had kids that that they were the people they were learning from. Yeah, I think I would agree that we we do really well on some things. Um, I would probably put us in the. B minus Friday, I think. Is that a, is, um, I, I don't know, know if we're going by letters or stars or <laughs> we didn't get any guidance here. We just got a question thrown at us. Um, in that, I think we, you know, the the beginning of this year, it seems hard to remember that far back, but when we started doing our child safety training and everything. We had just a lot of people um, who signed up and came and gave their time to learn um, and to be able to serve in the children and youth. Um, and so things like that, that I think are just so encouraging. Um, I think the areas we have to work would be just that understanding of um, kind of it takes a village and look for ways to um, get to know those young people. You know, it it can be awkward for adults who feel like they're on the outside of the youth group to get to know the youth. And, and maybe they're like, I'm not, you know, uh, I don't do lock-ins. And I mean, I, trust me, the older yeah, I get, the more I'm like, whew, 9 p.m., I'm ready for bed. But, um, <laughs> you know, maybe – just looking for ways that they can get to know the kids, you know, just, Hey, learn their names if, if nothing else. And, and things like that, that, um, we are one church and I want us to be one church from cradle to grave. We are first Baptist and that we are one church family. Um, and you know, families have young, old, everything in between. And, and that's what I want. Um, I want a church that when our eldest member passes away, we have little kids at her funeral that know her name and are genuinely sad that she's gone, you know, and that uh, at the same time, there are people who have a four-year-old who want to invite the 83-year-old to her birthday party because she loves Miss Maple and wants her there because that's her special friend from church. Um, I think that is, that would be the view of what a true gospel-centered church looks like. Because then it, you really have to get outside yourself to get there, you know. And um, and I will I will go and say I don't do a good enough job of always reaching people that aren't involved in the children's ministry or you know 
Um, I think we all have work we could do there. And to say that we're there, um, I think we're not quite. I think we're, we have a lot of great things about the church and a lot of people who have great hearts. Um, and every day, hopefully, we're striving to get a little more Christ-like and a little closer to the goal. Um, well, I think there's one thing you need to consider, Forrest. Every night is a lock-in at your house. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is very, very true, yes. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, next week, you know what you're preaching on yet, Brother Ben? Yes, next week I will be preaching on um, forgiveness. Once again, we're asking life's tough questions. And uh, one of the questions that uh, came to me was, how do I forgive myself? And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, or next week. How do, we, how do I forgive myself? Sounds great. All right, well, we'll join you again next week for discussion on that topic. See you then.